father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became captain over them. Now there was about 400 men with him. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother come and stay with you until I know what God will do for me. Then he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. The prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. So David is uh, able to, by God's grace, <laughs> escape from Gath, and he goes to this cave of Adullam. A lot of people come to him there. Like who? Like who? Debtors. Debtors, yeah. A lot of people who were down and out. Those who are in distress and debt, discontented. Kind of a group of, you know, problematic people, group of troublemakers maybe. And he manages to get these and, and wield them into a, a pretty strong fighting force. He's got pretty good leadership ability to take these kind of guys and make some out of them. Who else came down to David there in that cave? His yeah, his family. Uh, so he had them with him <laughs> as well. Um, and uh, probably not real safe for his family, particularly his parents. So what does he do with them? Yeah, he asked the king of Moab, and uh, he lets them stay with him. That's going to be safe for being away from uh, the nation that Saul reigns over. There could be some kind of retaliation against them. Uh, wonder why the king of Moab? So what did it matter if Ruth was Moabite? Yeah, Ruth was like his great-grandmother or whatever. Um, so, not sure exactly, because I'm not sure if there are any generations kept there. But at any rate, she was an ancestor. And so, yes, uh, some Moabite blood, uh, that perhaps made more sense. And so they, his, his parents were able to stay with the king of Moab. And the prophet Gad tells him not to stay in the stronghold. He goes into the land of Judah, goes into this forest. So, that's kind of where David is going right now. Comments and questions on this section. Yes, Ken. It's possible that the people that went to David were um, maybe neglected by King Saul in his pursuit of David? It could be. It could be. We don't know a lot of details, but they're almost like a group of misfits, perhaps. Stephen. I was trying to run the point because it's uh, like Saul in chapter 14 was calling all the all the mighty men or valiant men, called them to himself, whatever. It's like Saul, even with the best, when he was like gathering men, you know, he just mm -hmm. failed. But David takes the, the riffraff and the rabble mm -hmm. and makes them into this force that's gonna. Good, good point. Go. That's impressive. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Other thoughts? Okay, so uh, look what happens next. Here's. Um, kind of a situation that arises. 6 to 19. Then Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Now Saul was sitting in Gibeah under a taramis tree in the height with a spear in his hand, and all of his servants were standing around him. Saul said to his servants who stood around him, Oh, here now, O Benjamites, will the son of Jesse also give to all of you fields and vineyards? 
Will it make you all commanders of thousands or commanders of hundreds? For all of you have conspired against me, so that there is no one who discloses to me that my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you who is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in ambush, as it is this day. Then Doeg, the Edomite, who was standing by the servants of Saul, said, I saw the gen son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahito. He inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Two nineteen. Okay. Then the king sent someone to summon Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitab, who was all in his father's household. The priests who were in Nob and all of them came to the king. Saul said, Listen now, son of Ahutab. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. Saul then said to him, Why have you and your son of Jesse conspired against me? and that you have given him bread and a sword and inquired of God for him, so that he would rise up against me by lying in ambush, as it is this day. Ahimelech <coughs> answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful of da as David, even the king's son-in-law, who is captain over your guard and is honored in your house? Did I just begin to inquire of God for him today? Far be it from me. Do not let the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the household of my father, for your servant knows nothing at all of this whole affair. But the king said, You shall surely die, Himelech, you and your father's household. And the king said to the guards who were attending him, Turn around and put the priests of the Lord to death, because their hand is also with David, and because they knew that he was fleeing and did not reveal it to him. But the servants of the king were not willing to put forth their hands to attack the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, you, you turn around and attack the priests. And Doeg and Edomite turn around and attack the priests. And he killed that day 85 men who wore the women. And he struck Nob, the city of the priest, with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and infants, also oxen, donkeys, and sheep, he struck with the edge of the sword. Okay, so Saul uh, is, is really uh, paranoid and suspicious of everybody. He talks to his servants in verse 7, and he says, David won't do anything for you. Why have all of you conspired against me? So that nobody tells me when, you know, David uh, is, is trying to uh, ambush me and is trying to plot to kill me and things like that. Now, what do you think about Saul saying this? Yeah. Was David trying to ambush Saul? Was he plotting against Saul? What is Saul really doing? Yes. Getting an excuse. Yes. He's a guilty conscience. Yes. So what's he doing? Yes, yes. He's putting on David what he himself Exactly. He's projecting on David what he would do if he were David, really what he's doing himself. You know, a lot of times, suspicious people are untrustworthy because they're suspicious because they know how they would act. And so they assume everyone else is acting the same way. And so he's just got this constant uh, fear of David, and he thinks his servants are actually covering up these conspiracies that David is making against him. You know, Saul's to the point where he's suspicious of everybody and everything. And uh, is really growing more and more agitated and disconnected from reality. Well, there's one 
Doeg the Edomite. He was there in the tabernacle in chapter 21 when David came by and got that showbread. And he's an Edomite. Now, he's much about the Edomites. Where'd they come from? Esau's descendants. And what kind of relationship did the Edomites have with the Israelites? Poor, bad, terrible, horrible. I mean, if you want to talk about the most detested enemy of the Israelites, the Edomites would certainly be in contention. There is actually one whole book of the Bible written against the Edomites. What was that book? Obadiah. So, uh, but anyhow, this Edomite says, well, listen, I'll tell you. I saw the son of Jesse, that's of course David, coming to Nob, and he went to the priest and inquired of the Lord, and the priest gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath. Well, that's all it takes for Saul. Once he finds that out, he immediately summons the priests, and you know, he, he starts interrogating them. Verse 13, why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? Why have you given him bread, a sword, inquired of the Lord for him, and so forth, so that he would ambush me? Now he's assuming that if the priests have helped David, they've helped him try to attack Saul. You know, that, uh, of course, uh, that's all that David would think about, would be attacking Saul, since that's pretty much all Saul's thinking about, is trying to do David in. Well, look at Ahimelech's response. Verse 14, what does he say? Yeah. What does he say? But he knows the character of David. Yeah. And insults all Saul's servants. Well, yeah. But but more than that, he defends David. Roger. He's like, he's your best servant. This is not the first time you stand up in here. Like, I mean, he's, he's the best you have. How do you suppose Saul is hearing that? <laughs> kind of like rubbing salt in the wound. <laughs> you know. You don't say anything positive about David in Saul's hearing. So that probably was a, a tactical mistake on the priest's part here. I mean, I don't suppose the priest really realized what was going on with Saul and how, how much he had turned against his son-in-law and this wonderful, uh, you know, army, uh, you know, soldier that he's got and so forth. I mean, he would assume that Saul likes his son-in-law. Um, he said, and furthermore, this isn't the first time I inquired of God for him. I mean, I, I do that all the time. So, you know, I don't know anything about what you're talking about, but, but you know, I'm, you know, I'm innocent in this. I've, I just did for one of your best servants and son-in-law what I've done in fact. Well, uh, the king's pretty upset about it. Upset enough that he tells his <coughs> servants to do what? Kill all the priests. And what do his servants do? They won't do it. They refuse a direct order from Saul. Why? Yeah, I mean, to attack and massacre the Lord's priests would have been a terrible crime. I'm sure they had, you know, done some things for Saul that weren't really good, but they're not going to massacre the priests. Who does? The Edomite. That ought to tell you something. Saul has to end up using an Edomite hatchet man. Uh, and uh, 
it just, it's wow. So he, he massacres the whole city. Men, women, children, infants, oxen, donkeys, sheep. Did you get that? <laughs> that, that stuff strike you as a little interesting in view of some previous occurrences? <laughs> oh, he went hey. to massacre the Amalekites, but he did it to the priests. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? You, you won't utterly exterminate the Amalekites, but you'll utterly exterminate the priests and their city. It, it's just, Saul is just so warped. It's just, just unbelievable some of the things that he, he's willing to do. And uh, you remember how different he was when he started out? Remember when he was not willing to even kill the ones who, were, who didn't want him to be the king? You know, he's really changed a lot. Uh, gone way downhill, you might say. And so Saul kills all of, of the priests. We'll find out there was one escape uh, one who escaped in the next section but otherwise he massacres the priest now if you stop and think about that does that remind you of anything earlier in the book that maybe this is linked to yeah what uh, chapter 23 where Eli's family is going to be taken yes here's the fulfillment of that to a great extent the one SKP, I don't know how you say that. The one who escaped, uh, yeah, was was the only remaining one, and then he'll be put to death in First Kings two, or at least he, uh, they got out of the All right, coming to questions through verse nineteen. This is not a very important question, but <laughs> I've gotten some others like that. So <laughs> you're not the first. <laughs> Was Doeg doing this all by himself? Like, I can't imagine that no one would have been able to stop this one man who kills 95 people and then goes to the city and kills everybody. Like, it just seems silly to me imagining this, like, one person by himself doing all of this. I was thinking that, too. Good, <laughs> <laughs> good I don't have an answer to that. I don't assume the priests were armed. They'd already given David uh, Goliath's sword. But, uh... They're not going to stand in line waiting. Line up, let me go. I, I don't have an answer. Somebody has to answer. I'm not really sure how they did that. Then death? Were priests even allowed to be around dead things? Like, what they even... They're not allowed to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> what would be a piece of punishment for that? Well, who of the Israelites would actually help an Edomite? Especially given the relationship between the two. If you killed their own priests, who would do that? I wouldn't think an Israelite would. The Israelite servants have refused to execute Saul's exactly. command. Cameron? Well, the fact that God didn't step in was probably because he was going to punish them and take them out anyways from his promise. I don't know why they weren't stepping up themselves, but maybe because they didn't feel they had the right to step up against the king and his ordered men. I don't know. I didn't see Saul. It's just, I mean, spiritually, just going up his brain. I mean, this is so bad what he's doing. And I think you see he's going from trying to kill David to trying to kill Jonathan. Now he kills a whole town. And, and sin, that's what sin does to us. When sin gets us, 
it will be worse and it will get worse and worse every time. <coughs> what we need to do is we need to break from sin as soon as possible because if not, it will take us and it will just break us. Yeah. It'll always take you farther than you want to go and plunge you deeper than you ever intended. It's like stop trying to stop an avalanche. And it, it, you know, David or Saul would never have thought that he would have gone to this extreme. Tim. What was Doeg doing the Tabernacle or the thing in the first place. I haven't a clue. <laughs> Probably not the place you wanted to need it, Mike. Clint. I was just thinking, uh, I really appreciate the fact that they were willing to stand up to the king and say, no, this is in fact wrong. You know, uh, it takes courage. It reminds me of what Peter said in Acts 5. You know, we must obey God rather than men. So even if somebody in a position of authority tells you to do something that's wrong, like, you know, say your parents say, hey, it's okay with your girlfriend and all this sort of thing. No, it's not. You know, God says, you know, sin is sin, so you need to stand behind that. Yes, that's one way of looking at it. It's certainly true. Maybe the other approach is just to say, this is a deed so horrific that they would even <laughs> defy Saul and not do this. I mean, I think, I think this just almost is a measure of how deranged Saul has become. He, he gives an order that not even his servants are willing to carry out. That's pretty bad, John. Well, it's not the first time that people, you know, the people even wouldn't let him kill John. Right, that's true. And they, they already think he's crazy. <laughs> so they're not. They're, they're right. <laughs> Mark. Didn't you just say that was a fulfillment of something earlier in the Yes, book? yes. That Eli's family would be wiped out. Because these priests are from Eli. Eli's. Okay. Uh, 20 to 25. One escapes, Abiathar. And where does he go? Isn't it interesting that Saul can't ever seem to find David, but one young priest does. You know, other people seem to find David. Saul never seems to be able to quite get to him. Uh, it's kind of uh, interesting, I think. And uh, Abiathar tells David what Saul had done. And David acknowledges in verse 22, I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. I believe David was telling the truth about this in one sense. That David's sins in chapter 21 led to this. It's certainly not that David wanted this to happen. These were unintended consequences, but when you do what's wrong, you can't stop the consequences of happening. It's like, we want to do the wrong thing, and they're like, no, no, but don't let these things happen. But it's like, you know, you talk about <laughs> one thing, and then the things just start going, and you can't stop it. And so, I really think this shows again that what David did in Nob in chapter 21 was wrong. 
And he, to his credit, he takes responsibility. He says, I brought about their death. And uh, he offers protection for Abiathar, which is also interesting if you stop and think about it. David is the protector now of the priesthood. The only surviving priest is with David. The prophet, Gad, is with David. You know, Samuel is at least not with Saul. Who's Saul got with him? No, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> so when you've got David as the king elect, who is protecting the priesthood and the prophets and so forth, it's almost like we could ask the question, who's the king now? I mean, it's like David is performing kingly functions and Saul's acting as some madman who's exterminating the priest. And when we look at the next chapter, we're going to see that even more strongly. David's the one who comes up and delivers an Israelite city from Philistine oppression, which is, again, the king's job. We already saw earlier where Jonathan was doing a lot of the king stuff. Now it's David who, who's really almost acting more like the king than the king. And we really see, wow, even before Saul is killed, he's not much of a king anymore. Comments and questions? Jake? Uh, this is going to go back to the beginning of the chapter, but you know, David and his men here, uh, part of me really wants to see it, uh, a parallel here. David as the king is in Christ and what he does. And I really like uh, Stephen's comment about Saul looks to these superficial men and attach himself to those who are strong and from their father's house, whatever. And David is able to take these rabble and make an army out of them. It seems to be a, a parallel uh, kind of along the lines of 1 Corinthians first few chapters where God takes the weak and makes them to be something. Uh, Saul takes the strong and is a failure in everything he does. And so uh, the weak and the poor come to Jesus, just like the, the poor and the weak come to David. And look at who the Lord calls on today in many cases, and who the Lord's able to make something out of. It's a, certainly a tribute to the greatness of God. Other comments or thoughts on this chapter? Kim? David taking responsibility, I mean, like, it could very easily be that he just was guilty. He went there, and Saul would never have gone there and killed if he had never been there. I don't, like, I don't know if it points to the whole thing. I think it does. Not just the bread thing, but the lying thing and the taking the uh, uh, sword thing and so forth. I mean, when he says, I brought about the death of every person in your father's household, I don't think it's just the fact he happened by there. I think, I think he's taking, you know, he's taking responsibility for causing it in some way. That's my opinion. <coughs> Is John, Jonathan still out by, right? Yes. And why, is, why wouldn't he go to David and like help him out? Because like, he's already rebelled against his father pretty much. So why well, wouldn't he just go join David? It's so cool you mentioned that. He's going to come to David in the next chapter. Not join him, but he's going to come to him. I think that it's really... I think the fact that he obviously can go out and kill all the priests and all the people and, and have that done to that full extent really just kind of shows 
that when he's passionate about something, he can get it fulfilled. Unlike like the Amalekites earlier, when he didn't want to do it fully, he didn't do everything he could have. And that just kind of showed us, like, when we're truly passionate about what God wants, we can accomplish it to that extent. We just have to be passionate about it and apply it in the right ways. Excellent point. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts? Yes, yeah. Earlier you talked about how Saul, he's not even looking like a king anymore because he rejected God, and so God rejected him as king. Many times today, we're like that. We reject God to be our God, and he rejects us as being Christians. We're not going to be his sons anymore, and pretty soon we don't even look like his sons anymore. For a while, we're fake, and we'll be hypocrites, but pretty soon we're ruined. Good point. All right, chapter 23, uh, verses 1 to 14. 